come out for 40 days and 40 nights. And God showed him everything that should be made for the tabernacle. Whether he showed him in his mind or whether he laid it out, I don't know. But Moses saw everything that had to be made during these 40 days and 40 nights. And then when he come down, the Lord says in Exodus and in Leviticus, you make it just as you was shown. And there was over a thousand pieces of equipment, little hooks and, and different things, bits of cords and, and, and colours. And here's a man of over 80 years of age and he could remember everything that the Lord showed him. But he wasn't to build it. It was, I think it was uh, Belial. I think it was in 31, it tells us. There was two people that the Lord chose to use. But Moses had to show them. Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, and Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach. They were the two that the Lord had placed into them to make these things, and then he placed his spirit in all the different people who were there to make the tabernacle. But Moses was the one that had to show them, yes, that's right, no, you need another little bit there, or you need a little bit here. And the tabernacle was raised, and it was perfect. It must have been perfect because God said he would come and dwell there. And that was the... the, 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 the the, uh, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of cloud. And I want us tonight to not to ignore the most important. I gave some important points this morning that we have to hear, we have to see, and we have to consider. But concerning the, the veil... There's something else that we must consider, and it's this, and it's the most important thing. And this is what we read in Matthew chapter 27 and verses 50 and 51. This is Jesus on the cross. This is the end of his life. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And here's the most important part. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. That's the most important. The curtain was rent. The holies of holies was open to all who would come to God through Christ. The veil is gone. The door is open. What's the door? The veil was replaced by a door. And the door is the Lord Jesus Christ. For in John chapter 10 he says, I am the door. If anyone comes in by me, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. So there is still something that stops us from going into the Holy of Holies today. It's not a veil. It's a door. Or it's a person. No one can come to the Father except by me as Jesus says. So there is still something that bars us from walking right into God's presence. In the Old Testament, it was the veil. 
And it was only one man that was allowed to go into that Holy of Holies. And it's only one man that can take us into the Holy of Holies today. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the high priest. This is what makes a difference between the high priest and the great high priest. The high priest was hereditary. He would hand it over to his son. And all down through the ages there was, great, there was high priests. But the great high priest, it's not hereditary. He is eternal. He had no beginning and he has no end. And this is the difference between these priests in the Old Testament and this great high priest in the New Testament. He lives forever. One's hereditary and the other one's eternal. Hebrews chapter 7 tells there about he's of the order of Melchizedek. There's no beginning and no end. Some of the writers say he must have been a person because he went there to meet Abraham. And Abraham gave him tithing. But it doesn't give you any lineage of him. And I would take it that's what it means, that he had no beginning and no end. Because the Jews were all into lineage. If you read Matthew chapter 1, and if you read Luke chapter 3, you'll read there at the world, you can go right back into to God. <coughs> but their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, a great high priest, is eternal. So we won't, don't want to ignore the most important. And the most important is what Jesus tells us here that the curtain has been rent in two. There is no such a place on this earth as a holy of holies. The holy of holies is in heaven. Mark's gospel tells us right at the very end that when Jesus finished his sayings, he was taken up into heaven and he was seated at the right hand of his Father on high. He's seated up there. That's the holy of holies. And we can only go there in the spirit. One day we'll go there in the person. What a glorious day that will be. As I said this morning, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 that he's going to change this vile body and it's going to be made into the likeness of his glorious body. What a day that will be. Look at yourself in the mirror when you go home tonight and count how many wrinkles you've got, how many warts you've got. There's a day coming when they'll all be gone and we'll be like him. This is the inheritance of a Christian. It's mine now. I have this inheritance. It's mine. It's kept for me in heaven. And I am being kept by the power of God through faith. And I will receive that, as I said this morning, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance from Psalm 16. And another psalm, it tells us that he will choose my inheritance for me. He won't leave it to me. What would I choose? I would choose all those lovely things, if there's such lovely things. 
I would maybe go to heaven and I'd see something. Oh, I'll have that. I'll have that. But the Bible says that God in his mercy and in his wisdom, he'll choose my inheritance for me. And let me tell you, this it will be the best inheritance. I won't argue with God about my inheritance. And I won't look at anyone else's inheritance and say, Lord, he's got a better one than me. She's got a better one than me. I'll be pleased. For the first time in my life, I will be completely pleased with what I've got. Because God will give it to me. Don't ignore the most important. The most important is that there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There is a door that is open that we might go in. It's at Calvary's tree where we begin when we come to when we come as a sinner to Jesus. That's right, yeah. Yes, there's a door. There's something to bar us. But the bar <coughs> the door is open. It's still on its hinges. And I'll tell you why it's still on its hinges, because one day that door is going to be closed, just as those five foolish virgins were shut outside. It tells us that the bridegroom came and he shut the door. And they asked him, can we come in? No, he didn't even answer them. He didn't even come up and say no. He just shut the door. The Lord said to Noah, come in. Come in the ark. He didn't say to to Noah, go in the ark. He said, come in the ark, which means that the Lord was already in the ark. And it was the ark, the Lord, that shut the door. And all those outside perished. You could imagine them knocking at the door, knocking at the boat. Let us in. But it was too late. You see, there's a time when it is too late. The brother here just mentioned Romans chapter 1. There is a time when it's too late. It tells us there in Romans chapter 1, three times that the Lord gave them over. You want it? You can have it. And you take the consequences. But today is the day of grace. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. (coughs) And he even lowers the time. He says today, but then he says now is the accepted time. So he lowers the time from today to now. Because you never know when your heart's going to stop. It can stop in an instant. And where would you be then? So that's why the Bible says now is the day of salvation. And God has put up with us for so long. That's why I say he's a merciful and a long-suffering God. (coughs) Don't ignore the most important, that there is that way. (coughs) And we need to remember that for this salvation, there was two different natures working together to bring about our salvation. There was a human nature and there was a divine nature. And that doesn't mean there was two different people because there was only one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who has two natures. He became what he wasn't, but remained what he was. 
he became what he wasn't, a man. And he remained what he was, God. And there was these two natures. And it needed two natures to bring salvation because only God can forgive sins. So we had to have the divine nature because only he could forgive sins. And we needed a human nature because only a human nature can die. I refute the people that say that God died on the cross. God never died on the cross because God cannot die. If God died, then there would be a dispersion among the Trinity. It was the human nature of the Son of Man that gave his life a ransom for many. God was still there because he said to his disciples, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it up again. So God stayed alive. That's wonderful. That's so assuring that when Christ died, the divine nature was still there. And it was the divine nature that raised him from the dead. So there was two natures for our salvation if we're saved tonight. One man, God, who was able to forgive sins on the cross. It was his blood that made an atonement for sin as we read in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. God gave the blood on the altar for us and it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul and I spoke about the soul this morning if you were here this morning you heard all about the soul that the soul is eternal the soul cannot die and the soul has to go and dwell someplace and there's only two places that the Bible talks about and that's hell and it's heaven see in the Old Testament the commandment was don't draw near Exodus chapter 19 verse 12 <coughs> Moses was up the hill <coughs> or before he went up the hill God said tell the people not to come near this mountain don't touch it if a, an animal or if a man or a woman touches this mountain they've got to be speared through you come up yourself God was speaking and God said don't draw near <clears throat> which tells us we need a mediator and Moses was that mediator the people says we don't want to hear God's voice the flames and the smoke and the fire you listen to God and you talk to us what God says and we'll do it and it's the same today we need a mediator and Jesus Christ is that only mediator he speaks on our behalf. He's our advocate. But when we come to the New Testament, it's not a command, as it were, not to draw near. It's an invitation for us to draw near. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your bodies washed with pure water. And it tells us there in Hebrew again, in two or three places, that we can come boldly. 
We don't crawl on our hands and knees in great fear, wondering if God's going to accept us. No, we can come boldly, not proudly, but boldly. We stand upright just as God, when he breathed into Adam, he made him stand upright. And God wants us to stand upright. He also wants us to bow, of course. And we will bow the knee to him because the Bible says that when Christ comes, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. (coughs) But the invitation tonight is, draw near. That wonderful one verse of scripture, I think I quoted it this morning in Isaiah chapter 1, come let us reason together. Can you imagine God saying that to us? Come, let us reason together. He's not saying, let us work out whether you've sinned or not. You give me your opinion and I'll give you my opinion. That's not what it says. It's come, let us reason together. You know you're a sinner. And you know that I'm the saviour of sinners. So wash yourself. And your sins, though they be scarlet, shall be white as snow. Is your sins as white as snow? Well, in a sense, I can say I don't know because my sins have all been taken away. All my iniquities on him was placed. He's taken my sins and he's put them behind his back in the deepest ocean. He has promised me that he will never remember my sins again. How often do we say to someone, oh, I forgive you. But we don't forget. And on the first opportunity, we say, I remember. Do you remember when you said that? Remember when you'd done that? We can forgive them, yes. But it's hard to forget. But God forgives and he forgets. That's why the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, that there is no condemnation whatsoever for the Christian. I'll go there on that judgment day, on that day in Matthew chapter 25 when they're all gathered together and he separates everyone and he puts some in the, sends them to hell and some into heaven. And the scripture says that who, who will separate us? Paul says it in Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Satan might try. Who can accuse us in the, in the same book is talking about accusations who's going to accuse us nobody can accuse us because God has saved us if you're a Christian tonight just think how privileged you are how privileged I am to be saved to know that I'm saved and to relish in the thought that I'm saved And no one can take it from me. That's what Jesus said. He came that our joy might be full and that no man can take it from us. Our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted in some mysterious way in their hearts, they have joy. Their husbands may have been murdered and their wives may have been murdered, but in some mysterious way, Jesus says, no one can take your joy from you And no one can take this peace because it's not the peace of the world. Peace I give you, not as the world giveth you. Let not your hearts be troubled. It's a mystery how we can still have joy 
in the midst of the, the, the direst situation. Because we're talking about God. We're not talking about man. We're not talking about the church. We're talking about God. God is able to do this. Don't ignore the most important. Yes, the curtain has gone, but it's been replaced by an open door. You see, when the curtain was removed, three things were removed from the Jews and from us. The three things was this. First, the legal ordinances or the ceremonial law. That was taken away. But for some reason they still used the temple because it tells us in Acts that Peter and John went up at prayer time into the temple. The curtain had been rent. The Holy of Holies had been exposed. But they were still using the temple. But God said it shouldn't be used. And in AD 70 the Romans came and destroyed the temple. God said it's got to go. You've got to look to one thing. Or one person, you've got to look to my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So all the legal ordinances were gone. No more lambs. No more going out and having to look at the lamb to see if it was almost perfect. No more going out and buying a lamb and hoping that it's perfect, that God would accept it. No more of that. No more of the high priest taking off his wonderful garb just think when the high priest Aaron was the first high priest and it tells us there how he had to be dressed with blue and purple and gold and white and he had this turban on with a holiness to the Lord that was gold and he had the shoulders the stones on the shoulders, he had the stones on his breast. Every time he went into the Holy of Holies, he, well, he didn't take them in there because he had to put, take them off and put on the linen garments. You see, the linen garments meant he was the same as the rest of the Jews. If he had went in there with his garb on into the Holy of Holies, he would have been a proud man. But God said, no, you take all them off and you put on the linen garments. <laughs> but can you imagine that morning when Moses was told to take Aaron and to dress him. Now I believe that the tabernacle door was facing the east. Now in the east is the rising of the sun. And can you imagine the first high priest, nobody's ever seen a high priest before, and he stood there with the gold and the purple and that, And if it was in the morning, the sun would have shone on him and he would have glowed. What a magnificent high priest. What a wonderful sight to behold. But think about the other high priest. He was presented to the people as well, but he was presented to the people not by a a Jew, but by a Roman soldier. And a Roman soldier brought him out, Pilate, and he said, Behold the man. And what's the description of this man that we have to behold? Well, you've got to read Isaiah chapter 52 and the last two or three verses. He was marred more than any other. 
And why was, or how was he marred more than other? Then you've got to read the end of the, the Gospels, and it tells us there he was punched and slapped, and he was scourged. There's the difference between the two high priests. One was in a glorious state, as it were, and the other one wasn't. He was marred more than any other. But this high priest had to die, and it tells us here <coughs> more than 23 times, I think it is, Aaron's name's mentioned. 2, verse 2, speak unto Aaron, verse 3, show Aaron, and then he shall, and I think it's about 23 times it's mentioned Aaron. And it mentions there in in verse 17, it talks about that no man was in the tabernacle while Aaron was going into the Holy of Holies. He was on his own. He worked on his own. No one helped him. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and no one helped him. He went on his own. And another difference between the two priests is this, that he was sacrificing first and foremost for himself. He had to sacrifice for himself first when he went into the Holy of Holies. Jesus Christ didn't have to sacrifice for himself because he was the sinless Son of God. It was his blood that made a veil for me, not for himself. He had no sin. That's why he was the perfect sacrifice. That's why we read in in Leviticus chapter 21 about someone who had something wrong with them. That they weren't allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. It was a a picture of what got Jesus himself. That God's lamb was a perfect lamb. There was no blemish in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what chapter 21 and at the end there it was saying. But he was allowed to eat the bread of of God. He was allowed to to have what the other priests had. But he wasn't allowed to go in to the Holy of Holies because only that which is perfect could go into the Holy of Holies. And it's a picture of God's own Son. That he was without blemish. He was perfect. Time is gone. Where does time go? Can anyone tell me where time goes? <coughs> but it does go. And it has just gone. There's a lot more I could say, but I'm not going to say it. But I just want to say this. The veil has gone. The veil's gone. But it's been replaced by a door. And that door is open. But it's still on its hinges, and one day it will be shut. That's why today is the day of salvation. That's why now is the appointed time. If you're not a Christian tonight, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that all that the Father has given me, if they come to me, I will in no wise cast them out. You'll never hear the Lord Jesus Christ saying no if you come with a true heart, seeking him. He'll never ever say no. He accepts all. 
whom the Holy Spirit has directed to Calvary. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you again for your salvation. It's a wonderful thing, Lord, it is, it really is. It's amazing that the God of all creation, the God who was in the eternity before creation, that Son of God who was daily his Father's delight, how they must have loved each other, not must have, but did love each other. How they must have been close the, the picture there is face to face, Jesus and the Father, face to face for all eternity. <coughs> what joy there must have been in the, in the Trinity. What love and, and, oh, Lord, we can't understand it. We can't fathom it. We don't have to try and fathom it. The Bible said it's there, so we believe it. But, Lord, you wanted to share that love and you wanted to share that glory. So, therefore, you, you created well aware, Lord, of the, <coughs> the sin that was going to come. You're not the author of sin. <coughs> you allowed it. But surely the allowing of sin was for your glory. But the scripture tells us that. So, Lord, take us on our way rejoicing. We've got a week ahead of us, Lord, as we prayed. There may be those things in this coming week, Lord, that we dread, that we fearful of. Come with us, Lord. Walk with us and be with us. <clears throat> You're the one that's made that promise in the Old Testament. I'll go before you and I'll be with you. I'll not forsake you and I'll not let you down. Our trust for this coming week has been placed in you once again. And we will gladly go forward knowing that my God is sovereign and he knows all things. So hear these our prayers and receive our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Eight hundred and five. Eight hundred and five. I suppose you can only sing this if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, I don't suppose you can sing it. You may sing it, but you can't sing it from your heart. But if you're a believer, you can sing it from your heart. Rejoice, believer in the Lord, who makes your cause his own. The hope that's built upon his word can ne'er be overthrown. Again, let's stand as we sing.
Where does that come from? <laughs> Colossians chapter 3. This is what it says. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above and not on the things of earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be our portion this night and forevermore. Amen.